introduction to Romans, which is about place, space, alignment, and people, right? So what we're going to do right now is we're going to talk about how to turn the posture and awareness into alignment that builds vision. Now, there's some things that we're going to do. Um, there's some, you can stop me at any time if we get a little bit too, if I'm talking a little bit too fast. But again, I'm from the South, and I know that uh, things are running on different times. Um, so, posture. You have a pen, you have some things in your lap, but I want you to put ten toes on the floor. Put your flat foot on the floor. Whether you take your shoes off or not. But one of the things that we miss is that our alignment to things actually transforms how we see ourselves and how we interact with the situation. When we don't find a good posture for things, we actually don't see them in the way that they're meant to be seen. Not work in the South, when it was time to pray, you had to get on your knees at night by the end of the bed, and that was the posture you gave to God. That was the posture of not just your body, but your heart. When I began to dance, I had to stand beside a bar, I had to tuck this under, hold this up, and put my arm out. That's the posture of learning, right? The posture of things determines how we find discipline, which is the root word of discipleship, all of those things. So before I learned to study the Bible, I was already a disciple of something. These are transferable skills, right? So whereas many times we hear uh, sports metaphors and things that we think everyone understands, my interaction with my body has been the deep learning tool that I have been able to stand in front of rooms, get the reception from other people, and even stand back and look at the big picture so that I can find my place in the world, in the room, in the classroom, on the stage. So what we're going to do right now is just think a little bit more about posture. Right? The body, maybe you know, we can talk to um, Margaret about this later, but the alignment of muscles, tissues, bones is intricate, right? But if we do it right for only half of the day, we, we could, it is a whole workout. Right? Just standing up straight is a whole workout. So when we think about posture today, I want you to think about the body and the heart. The posture of the body is the position in which we, someone holds up their body, standing or sitting, right? And this is not to judge it or to change it in this moment, y'all, but I just want you to notice how you're sitting. Don't judge it. See, everybody wants to know. <laughs> right? It's not to judge it or to change it, but just to be aware. Right? I do a lot of driving. At this point in my life, I know that my right glute does not fire properly because I sit slumped like this for many, many hours in the day. Right? It's just noticing where the weaknesses are so we can fill the gap. The posture of the heart, a particular way of dealing with or considering something, an approach or an attitude. The posture of your heart determines how you hear even what I'm saying right now. You might be like, no, I'm at church. I don't need to be learning all this. This is PowerPoint. I got class tomorrow. Maybe. I don't know. That could be my interior dialogue. I'm going to teach tomorrow. Right? But yours also might be, well, I came here to be fed. But what we forget sometimes is when we're ingesting things, there's also a period of digestion and there's a period of elimination. Right? So, right? Sometimes we ingest on Sunday, we don't really digest the material, and then what we put out, the Bible tells us the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if the heart hasn't digested the message and found a way to put it back out there, then we might be putting out some old stuff that's just, you know, we might need a heart collage. (laughs) The other thing I want you to think about is being aware. Awareness is big. The world calls it mindfulness. They call it being present. 
but it really means that I believe in this moment and know wholeheartedly that the same breath that's breathing me is breathing you. I can't stop my dependency on it. I can't say, well, you know what? I just don't feel like breathing right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> right? Or like, oh, I don't have enough money to pay my breath bill this month. <laughs> right? The thing is, is that no matter what happens, I need it. It's always there. So this imitation that we see of scarcity in the world is a false posture of the heart. Okay? So one thing about awareness, we want to talk about internal and external awareness. The knowledge or perception of a situation or a fact the way I see it, the way I know it to be true, what I think is, a, is fact or fiction. And then externally, the concern about and well-informed interest in a particular situation or development. So sometimes we're like, well, I see me this way. They see me that way. How do I see me? Right? And so we're going to think about this in a little bit of a action in a minute. But we're going to do some accounting with your cards. So some of you may have been to this framework with me before. It's going to be really quick. We're going to do it real fast. Now, I'm telling you we're going to do it real fast because you might feel like, oh, I didn't do it right. I didn't get it all done. It's fine. It's fine. This is just for you to understand the framework. You can do this by yourself anytime you want. Right? That's what learning really is. It's not like doing it in the moment with me. It's like, hey, here's something that you can do over and over again whenever you need it. Okay? So you have cards. You get to pick whichever color cards from any category. We're going to go through four categories. You have four cards. I'm going to ask you for this first round to use the side that has the lines on it. Right? I only ask right now, you pick your own color, but we're going to use the side of the card that has the lines on it. Your fancy new pen is just going to let your heart talk right through that hand. So here we are. We're going to do some accounting. You're going to have one minute in each of these categories to say what you currently have or what you're doing. What you currently have or what you're doing. Right? In, in this category of your life. You ready? It's going to be one minute. Gotta go fast. Yes, ma'am. Oh, oh, this is my thought cards. Why did you give the answer to that? I try not to let any moment that the Holy Spirit talks to me go by. So I have tons of these everywhere. I have to be super transparent. It says, the same breath is breathing me and breathing me. Right? So I talked about that yesterday. And then it says, many of us have been given visions by God and talked ourselves out of them because the ladies of the world did not fit the vision. We like that. I'll put that in the card. You can have it. Yeah, you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Here we go. Do you need another card, though? Do you have four cards? She has 14. Okay, perfect. Here we go. At the top of your card, you're going to write love and relationship. Any color card you like. This is the category of love and relationship. Now, you have one minute to say in that card what you currently have, what you're currently doing. Ready to go. What you currently have in this area, love and relationships, what you're currently doing. What are you doing? What do you have or what are you doing in the area of love and relationships? You got a husband right there, Look right there. No, no, I didn't say it's just loving. That's a judgment. We're not judging. We're just saying what we got. This accountants don't do us. They just read the numbers. Numbers don't lie. People do.
there, so she, not the him cat, but the LSAT. <laughs> Just you. Okay, find a new color card. What are you currently doing or what do you currently have in the area of time and money freedom? No matter what you think you do, you spend time and money every day. Now, how does the spending of those two currencies offer you freedom? Or if you don't have it, you're just like, no, I ain't got none. I just go to work and I eat some cookies. What do you currently have? What are you currently doing in the area of health and wellness? Mental, spiritual, physical, emotional health. All one big category, health and wellness.
<laughs> okay. Now, in a situation that we usually have uh, in workshops that I do, I would literally just look at every participant and say, well, whatever you just wrote on those cards, in those four quadrants, that's your life. That's a neutral. Not to judge or to change. Everything is neutral until you give it a value. When we were not righteous, or when we were not faithful to God, we were doing some things that we thought were right. Some other people thought they were wrong. They were just real in the moment. That's all we had. Right? You do what you know until you know better. And even when you know better, you have to have the courage to actually do better. Right? So that's just your life. On those those four parts. Now we're going to do this again. And the next section of this is going to cause you to use something that I depend on greatly, which is my imagination. There's a funny story that some of you have heard, and I often joke about Carolyn and Pat being a part of this story, that when I moved to Vermont, there was a house being built, and I didn't have any money, and there wasn't a loan, and they were like, are you sure? And I was like, yep, God's building me a house, and I was picking out the knobs, and I had zero money, and they were like, I don't think she knows how this works. And I was like, ah. And so, you have to really understand that imagination is the seed that plants the growth and practice of faith. Vision is a practice. It's not something you wake up one day and you're like, I got big vision. Well, maybe, but even if you have that big vision, it takes some practice to hold on to it every day. Right? And so we're going to flip these cards over on the side that don't have any lines. Right? We don't need the lines now. Right? And the question is, we're going to go right back to the same card, so make sure you're under loving relationships category. The question now is just, what would you love? One minute on your love relationship. What would you love? Mother Beth, on the side of that, no line. in the area of your time and money freedom. Not what would you like, not what can you strategize. <clears throat> Let's remember that scripture trumps strategy. Right, so we don't need to know how or where the money is coming from. We don't need to know. We just want to say, what would you love in the area of your time and money freedom?
don't feel that we ever just did this one. Yeah, one more. <clears throat> Another thing that I learned as a transferable skill as an artist is to stay in the frying pan. And uh, it really means that I have a high tolerance for discomfort. Like I can be in an uncomfortable situation for a long time. And that's a, a resilient thing that I think some of our generations are maybe missing these days. Like, I want to find the easiest way to be comfortable again, rather than to sit in the discomfort and figure out a better question. So, good job. You still, we got one more. You'll be in front of for one more minute. Ready? Last category. Your vocation or your vocation. What would you love to do in the world? Try to suspend what it needs to do to pay the bills and get the kids. What, just what would you love to show up and do in the world? Yeah? 
So here's the thing. The quality of our lives, just like we just talked about in Romans, is determined by the quality of your thinking. So I'm going to ask you to take these four cards. You don't need to say anything about them now. You keep it to yourself. But I just want you to go home and maybe write out the silence that's on the card, on the line. This is what I'm currently doing. I have a wife. I have kids. Just write that down. Just piece of paper. And then look at another piece of paper and just write down your vision. I would love to do this, this, and this. Right? And just be able to correlate the gap or the bridge between the two. Because that's how you're going to change your thinking. If we believe more in the current than we do in the vision, then we're actually not building faith. We're building strategies. We're building a tolerance for discomfort that doesn't grow us. So I want to just think with you about how to change the thinking into the vision, right? So this is Philippians 4 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That is your vision. I can't believe that anyone in this room wrote anything on that card about what they would love that is out of alignment with God's righteousness. Now, you might feel like it's out of alignment with your strength. You might not feel like you're worth it. You might not have, you might have a small sense of deserving, but it's not out of line with what God would have us to meditate on. Yeah. Right. Even if you said, I want to make $500,000 and work three days a week. Great. You know why? Because it gives you freedom to spread the gospel. It's not greed. Money, has, money is energy. Right? There was money behind this ministry that we just heard about in Romans. We see it in every world religion. You show up, you do the work, and God provides. What we're doing right now is waiting on the provision before we get into the practice and it's killing people's faith. We're waiting on the provision before we get into the practice and it's killing people's faith. So here's a, some science behind it, okay? Here's the results for it. This is in every cognitive behavioral therapy book you'll ever read. It's also in the scripture we just read. Thoughts become feelings. Feelings become actions. Actions yield a result. You know what the result is? Your life. Now, there could be causes to all these things, and we get really bogged down in the causes because everything we read, all the information we absorb every day, tells us we can justify it, cause the impact. There's cause and effect. But all that turns into a bunch of B causes, and then we start to try to rationalize our smallness, our lack of decision, our lack of initiative, our lack of faith. Now, the B causing makes us feel smart, and I know because I sit around smart people all day long. We can do citations, we can say where it comes from, we can bring up 15 different scholars who wrote about it before we did, but we haven't taken action on our own to prove anything, so the results we're getting are false positives. Thoughts equal feelings, feelings equal action, actions yield a result, the result is the life you're living. So I'm going to begin with how we think. The scripture says, be renewed by the transforming of your mind. Right, not by the transforming of the way your workflow goes with Susan at work. Right. 
went to the defense and be doing so. Like you, you may not find the action today, but take heed that action in the way that we have seen it in the world to be so big and so grandiose. That is the outcome. Practice is for the outcome later. And if we don't practice now, there's an amazing book called Chop Wood, Carry Water. It says you, in a situation, when something arises, you can only rise to the level of your training. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And if we haven't been training, the situation is going to take us over. Yeah. Uh, you know how many these I've done? It's called a plea. You know how many plea I've done? Too many. A gazillion. But I can't go to class, even right now, as a professional, without doing this. Because there's a foundation of everything else. So it doesn't matter how good I get. It doesn't matter how many stages I've been on. If I'm not practicing, I can never rise to the level of my gifts. The other thing we have to do is, in order to do this, we have to own the gifts we have. They may not be recognizable to other people. Some of y'all know this story, but my, when I told my mother I was going to go to college for dance, she was like, and what else? <laughs> Uh, this costs money. What are we doing? Sorry, what are we doing? What are you? And and then what you gonna do? Not, and at that point, I didn't think I was good enough to be a professional dancer. I was actually born to be a studio owner. Um, and my father died the year before I graduated from college, and I was supposed to be going to be my business partner. And uh, my professors pushed me out the door with a concentration in performance and no teaching certification. But I have remembered what a studio owner told me before that I was teaching tap at her studio. She said, "Crystal, why are you going to school to be a dance teacher?" And it got me thinking in that moment, I couldn't I didn't have the words for it yet, but it was how we put the how in front of the what. And so God plants the seed of the what that we're all supposed to do in our hearts from the beginning, and we get so focused on the how we're going to get there that we forget all about the what. So my encouragement to you today is to remember the gift, to do one thing from where you are with what you have today, and to keep the vision growing. It is not a mandate, it's an evolving statement of the life God wants you to live. Love you. questions uh, that that you know that we can ask privately to Crystal or to one another, maybe something that we could bring up that might actually help other people in this room as well. We want to leave a little bit of one question answer. So if you have a question, now might be a good time to ask. Any questions? Is it? Yeah. Would you be willing to share some ideas with us? Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. 
so talk about how you how you iterate on this because obviously this is not just a one and done sort of thing. So how do you yeah. keep evolving this in your life and your business? Mm -hmm. So uh, what we have to do as a practice, right? And I just want to say, y'all, you know, before I came back to Christianity 12 years ago, I studied tons of world religions, Buddhism, Taoism, African, Yoruba traditions, all these things. And I realized that practice was so important except for what I thought Christianity was. Right? So practice is super important in everything. And you know, Buddhism says from the beginning, it's the practice, it's the practice. And we kind of say it's the doctrine, it's the discipline, right? But it's, it's that thing. So you know, what I do is I practice. And when I practice, I track my takeaways. And I track my takeaways to get better data. Because if I don't have data, I'm going to make the same decision over and over by default. Right? So what I do is I keep my vision statements in front of me. I keep some of them like taking a picture of them on my phone. Uh, and so when I look at them, I go, oh, you know, like, oh, that, uh, that happened. How did I do? How did that happen? How did I get to that? How did I believe in that so much that now this is my reality? And I'm going to say something that may sound uh, trivial or commercial or kind of greedy, but I, it, it's just the truth. When I joined this church, I had just come off of being a welfare mother in New York City. Gabe and I were sharing the living room of a one-bedroom apartment. I was renting out the bedroom in the back to make ends meet, and I was in a severe comfort I showed up to church this morning. This again, please don't, please don't hear the commercialism of this. Please hear my heart. I showed up to church this morning and walked in here with a purse that used to pay my rent and a car that cost as much as a house. That's not about the money. It's about me believing. That was not for me. Right? When I said I, I tried to kill Crystal Brown, I fell on my feet, I fell on my knees in an apartment uh, in New York when it was first purchased. And I said, God, I'm just so tired of being Crystal Brown on the floor. And I got up, and I was like, I'm sick of this, I'm tired of you, I can't believe it. Complaining about being seen. See how many people want to be seen? No, you want to be heard. Right. Complaining. I got up from there, and the next two years of my life, God showed me what normal was, and I will never say that again. Never. Is there anything that specifically you've watched kind of while this 
person's tapped into it because they because of the power of practice or the power of is there anything that you've noticed of people that really been able to kind of make that jump? Yeah, when I look at our practice, uh, so just so you guys know, we built, I started this coaching practice uh, two years ago, and we have served over 200 clients in the last two years. Um, and so what I've seen is that what, when I ask you to sit beside someone you know, I know that the power of introducing yourself to a stranger is more powerful than anything else because mm-hmm. it allows you to say something that you wouldn't normally say. You can't default into, well, you know, I, you know what I do. Right. You can't see all into that. And once you, once they get past the process of introducing yourself to a stranger, writing a vision, and then saying that vision to a stranger, even if these strangers are people that they see once a week, right? Saying it out loud, that becomes a new reality. Um, and so that's one of the things I've understood is that the vulnerability to introduce yourself to a stranger, the vulnerability to let your heart talk, and the vulnerability to accept the person you really love, that person on the back of the car. You love that person. You would love to be that person, right? You just, what are you waiting for? <laughs> right, it's that part. Saying yes to like, you know, first time I introduced myself as a coach, I was actually at a dance festival where people were like, oh, hey. And then this one woman walked up to me. I was standing beside my colleague who I've known for years. The woman walked up to me and she was like, oh, hey, who are you? What do you do? I said, oh, I'm a coach. And she said, oh, what are you doing? I said, oh, yeah. And she walked away. She said, I'll look you up. She walked away, and my friend Michelle said, I said, did you see, did you see that? And she was like, yeah. She was like, it's real now. I said, it's real. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because all you need is one. The Bible says you need one person in agreement with you. Just one. Right? And that woman agreed that what I had told her was my new reality, and I had to agree. Right? First time somebody told me I could be a professional dancer, I didn't agree. I was like, I don't, I don't even know what being a professional is. Like, I'm good at teaching. Just let me teach. And they were like, no. No. Eight passports in place. Respiratory career. Okay, I guess, I guess you're right. I guess I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> Not long it took me to believe that. People, oh, you're so beautiful. Not long it took me to believe that. I'm in three years ago. Doesn't matter if other people believe it. If you don't believe it, it's not real. Yeah? 